Hello, I'm James Wrigley, and you're about to listen to the audio from another one of my lunchtime live interviews that I've been conducting over LinkedIn. They're also on Facebook as well. Uh, in this episode, I'm joined by Mike Mortlock, uh, who's based out of Newcastle uh, in New South Wales. He works predominantly in the depreciation space of, of investment properties, so the depreciation schedules. For those of you with investment properties, you'll, you'll understand what that means. Uh, Mike admits himself that whenever the topic of his occupation comes up at a barbecue, it certainly kills the conversation, but, but he's very uh, passionate about the work that he does. Uh, we chat for nearly half an hour in this one, so it's a little bit longer than, than, than others. Towards the end, we get a bit off track, but I'm sure you'll enjoy it nonetheless. Uh, have a listen and let me know what you think. Thank you. Hi, there we go. We're live. We're on. Uh, it's yeah. just on twelve thirty Tuesday. Is it just me, or are you losing track of the days? Like, what's up? I'm I'm working Monday to Friday like I normally would. I can't, and you know, I've got meetings in my diary and things to to keep up with. I'm completely losing track of what day of the week it is. Yeah. Like, Am Which, I alone with that? No, that- not at all. I mean, normally when I go on holidays, that's the point that I really start enjoying myself when I'm like, what day is it? I'm like, oh, I don't know what day it is. Like, that's really exciting. Um, yeah. But at the moment, yeah, I don't think it's it's not as exciting. It just It's just a malaise of, of being sort of in the quagmire of the corona sort of news cycle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're uh, back back for another lunchtime live today. Uh, for the few of you that might be tuning in already, you're catching this on the replay. I'm joined today by Mike Mortlock. Uh, Mike, thanks for for joining me. You you were one of the few that reached out when I first put the message out to say, "Does anyone want to have a chat of a lunchtime?" And you were one of the first ones to put your hand up. So thank you for that. And thanks for joining um, Mike, I, I've kind of maybe start with where where are you? Are you like, I guess, like location-wise, but then are you at home? Are you in an office? Like, like yeah. Where, yeah, where right now I'm in an office. Um, so I do have a, a home office, but um, here uh, here in Newcastle at the moment, our, our team, the, mo- the majority of the team are still in the office. Mm-hmm. We don't um, generally have visitors. We don't have customers coming to the door. We've sort of banned all meetings. They're fairly infrequent here anyway. Um, yep. And we've got a, a relatively big uh, office with relatively few people, so we can uh, we can distance pretty well. So right now we're, we're we're majority in the office. Yep. And would you be in in the in the normal course of business outside of this kind of uh, situation we're all faced with at the moment? Would you normally have people coming to your office to meet with you, or or yeah. ha- how would you be working? Sometimes we would. The big difference for me is is the travel. I'm normally travelling around quite a bit, so I think uh, technically I'm supposed to be uh, in Melbourne. Um, last week I think was the Accounting Business Expo, which I was going to be a, a speaker at, and we had a, a booth there, so that's been cancelled. So um, a lot of time in the office right now. Yeah, yeah. So we, so you you're you're often on a plane, getting around to different conferences and things, are you? Yeah, different conferences, checking out uh, different referrers that we have, looking at some commercial projects from time to time. Um, so, yeah, it's a big part of what I do is just getting around the, the country because we, we sort of work across most of it. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's 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 an opportunity. Well, it's, it's great to have chunks of, of office time. So I'm, I'm not complaining too much. Yeah, okay. And given the time of day, have you, have you managed to squeeze in lunch yet? And if so, what was on the menu? 
terribly exciting peanut butter toast, which is really, <laughs> like, it sounds a bit like my sort of uh, isolation food of choice. It's actually fairly typical. I normally have peanut butter toast for lunch any day I'm in the office. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is kind of funny when you realise your quarantine life is not that different to your yeah. to real life. That's just us introverts that are sort of having a chuckle with that, I think. Yeah, I must I must say my my lunch during the week is um is the same as what I would normally have. So I I normally have a, a packet of veggies that you kind of micro, microwave packet veggies, microwave packet rice and, and a can of tuna. I kind of have that Monday to Friday when I'm in the office and and uh, when you can actually get rice in the supermarket now, uh, the 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 cupboard here is stocked up with it too. So yeah, um, I'm uh, I'm just the same as you. That the isolation food is the same as the office food. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah. So how you how you managing with um with you know this this kind of isolation that's going on and distant client meetings and, and all the rest of it? How's it all going for you? Yeah, I guess there's a. There's a few questions in one, isn't there? Because there's mm. how's business? It's it's managing the managing the work, managing the the staff, managing you know family, the the psychological, the physical impacts. There's a lot sort of going on. I mean, from from the business side of things, it's great that we're still able to be in the office. We're sort of prepared to to change that at a moment's notice, and we're we're being very careful with with being in the office. But mm -hmm. I mean, that's great that we get to be face to face with the team. Um, for, for our business, a big part of it is physically inspecting a construction site or an investment property. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we are in the process of navigating right now as people are less inclined to want to let people into their homes, for example, like with tenants. Yeah. Um, we're probably finding at the moment it's, it's less than two or three percent of our inspections are impacted by that, but we're working through sort of live conferencing or, or, or video ways to do some of these inspections. So that's, I guess, what we're navigating and, and also just trying to stay abreast of, of the, the government announces, uh, announcements with the stimulus and that sort of stuff and planning for the worst and just being ready to pivot at a moment's notice on the business model and the way that we operate. Yeah. So your day-to-day so your -day routine then hasn't changed dramatically as yet, but... Yeah, not not really it needs to. For most of the staff, it's it's the same. Um, yeah. We just have to be a little bit more cautious and make sure we're doing all the social distancing and following the health directives and that sort of stuff. My day to day has changed a little bit more just by virtue of being in the office a lot more um, and and working on the planning for contingency stuff with with the COVID yeah. environment that we're in. Yeah, yeah, and you've got the. I know you got the microphone on the wall behind you. Do you, do you yeah. have a, a podcast or something like? What you... Yeah, yeah, we, we've got a, a podcast called Geared for Growth. It's a it's a podcast that we created based around uh, property investing. Yeah. So the motivation with that was basically for me to put some great information in front of our property investor clients yeah. because most people are, are still only owning one investment property. So the stats are saying that still, you know, 70-odd people only own one, which I don't think is necessarily enough to create a big change in your finances, your financial mm -hmm. freedom or what you want to set out to do. And I think a lot of that's because people get the first one wrong and they get stuck yeah. and they get over it. So just trying to put people in front of experts, so, you know, buyers, agents and financial planners such as yourselves 
uh, yourself, um, you know, accountants, um, economists and that sort of thing. So, yeah, we're, we're still doing that and, and releasing those fortnightly. So that's a perfect thing to be doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it is. Um, and then that's kind of the reason why I started doing doing this because everyone's sitting in isolation, hanging out for, for something new to listen to or to watch or you know, get, get some type of routine going. Uh, so, so maybe let, let, let's talk a little bit about the work that you do. So, so, so talk me through the, the the business as it stands at the moment. What are your different areas that you do that that you that you provide advice or services in? Yeah, yeah. So the business is MCG Quantity Surveyors, and the two main sort of sections of the business. One is the traditional construction cost estimating side, where we will prepare construction estimates for developers and financiers and builders based on either uh, feasibility or wanting to get an exact idea of the, the cost for, for tendering or cost control, including uh, progress claims for banks. So obviously mm -hmm. going to site and assessing the works done to site, maintaining a cost to complete. The other side is probably a bit easier to understand. It's the tax depreciation side. So pro residential property investors, commercial property owners, we prepare reports a bit like a, a valuer does mm. that just shows you the deductions that you can claim based on the wear and tear of the building structure and the fixtures and fittings. Yep, yep. So that that that, that first part of the kind of the the first side to the business. So if I was to if I was looking at the house next door, for example, I'm 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 at home now, and where, where I live in Nidri, there's so many knockdown rebuilds going on. But if yeah. if I was looking at buying the house across the road to put a couple of townhouses on it would it would it be your services that i'd look to engage to to try and help with the feasibility around around that yeah yeah absolutely so in, in i guess in concert with a with a town planner to see what's what's available and what can be yeah. done uh, an architect or a draft person the quantity survey is the best person to say this is how actually how much it would cost to build those townhouses and of course the the demolition for the existing uh, property there as well yeah, yeah. Okay. And then with the with the depreciation and, and all the rest of it, are there are there particular areas where you find people aren't claiming all that they can? Like is there a is there a particular theme of of you know where, where you're getting involved that that, that you know pe you're making people aware of something that they weren't they weren't aware of previously? Is there anything particular there? Yeah, yeah, it's it's not so much a theme of it's more people with houses or more people with units. It's it's just across the board on, on all property types. But yeah. we're still finding that the message of your depreciation parliaments aren't necessarily getting out there as as well as we would like or as well as investors would be um, bene beneficiaries of. So we've we've crunched some numbers on missed deductions. So we, we've been doing, uh, I guess, a few different sets of a 1,000 residential depreciation schedules where we analyse the data. Mm -hmm. And we found that 6.7% of people in that sample size had actually missed deductions to the point that it's even too far to back claim. Because you can yep. normally back claim two financial years worth of deductions. But we found that there were 6.7% of people that either that bought a property so far ago that the two years isn't enough to go back. Okay. So the average amount of, uh, of missed deductions was $20,537. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's a that's that's blown out by certain instances where I think the longest period was 16 years where someone bought a unit off the plan and they missed just under 70 grand worth of deductions. 
But yeah, that, that's still a big number. It's a surprising number. And if you extrapolate that 6.7% of our sample size over the whole amount of residential property investors, uh, this is a bit of a clickbait sort of journalist style article, but it's $2.88 billion worth of missed deductions out there. So it's significant. That'd make a pretty big. That'd make a pretty good headline. So, so how far back can, can you only go back two years in, in rectifying missed deductions? Yes, or, yes. Yeah. It's normally two financial years. Okay. Anecdotally, some accountants will say they've been able to go back further if the the client was a beneficiary of a trust or they maybe haven't claimed before. But yeah, that by by a standard rule, you can back claim two financial years. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and and then just interesting to see how how that how that work then ties in with the with the kind of investment property podcast stuff that you're doing so so are you are you, are you involved at all in the in the like the property advocacy space or anything like that or you 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 work with the advocates like how, how does that work for you yeah like we do work with with advocates so we do yeah. have buyers agents that refer business to us for example they're really great because they're at the the front end of the transaction. So they're dealing with the investor that's actually acquiring the investment property. Mm-hmm. So if they are switched on to depreciation, they can introduce the concept to their client at the beginning. So there's no way for them to potentially lose those deductions. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily classify myself as, a, as an advocate per se. I am a property investor. I do see the value in property. I'm more educated in property than I am in any other asset class. Mm-hmm. Um, pro property but i don't sell investment properties um so yeah i guess it depends how you define it okay um and the the rules around depreciation they just changed relatively Mm. recently didn't they new versus old can you maybe spend a couple minutes talking about what that what that's like for anyone that, that doesn't know yeah, so 9th of May 2017, that was when Scott Morrison was our um, finance minister or our treasurer rather than our prime minister. Yeah. He basically said that anyone that bought an investment property after that date would only be able to claim the plant and equipment items if they're buying a brand new property or they're installing the assets in a property themselves. So that could be a 10-year-old property and you're putting in brand new carpet, you can still claim that carpet. So plant equipment items are generally loose assets within the the building rather than the structure. So carpet is an example. So carpet floor coverings like vinyl and floating timber, then you've got blinds, curtains, all the kitchen appliances like your ovens and your cooktops and then air conditioning, hot water systems, those sorts of things. They're all plant and equipment. So that was a major change that skewed the benefits of tax depreciation to people buying brand new. Mm -hmm. And so anyone, so if I bought, so if I bought an old house, so again, Mm -hmm. the house next door, if I bought the house next door and it needed new carpet or it needed a new oven or anything like that, I can go and put that in. Obviously I pay for it, but I can go and put that in, but then claim the full depreciation on that just as if I'd had bought a, a brand new property. That's right. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple of little caveats. You've got to be careful if you start to uh, live in the property. So if you bought that property, you put the new assets in, rented it out, and then you uh, moved into the property, you can kill the deductions for the time that it becomes your principal place of residence. But yeah, yeah you either buy it brand new or you put it in brand new in a, in a rental property and you yeah. can claim that plant equipment. Okay. 
I'm learning heaps here too. <laughs> yep. Not not, uh, not right across all the way the depreciation stuff works. I normally leave that to the accountants and, and others. So thank you for... Right. I mean, like, I have a habit of ruining barbecues anytime anyone asks me a question. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of other things, um, you know, like I pay my accountant to make things go away, you know, because yeah. I'm not interested in doing a, a tax return or an income activity statement. And I think for a lot of people depreciation is one of those things and I don't blame them. I know that it's boring. I have to sort of laugh at myself a little bit because it's ridiculous, you know, to try and get people to understand that I'm not too weird a bloke. I say, look, I actually wanted to be a fighter pilot, so don't think that I stood up in kindergarten saying when I grow up I want to be a quantity surveyor. <laughs> I have to admit I, I, do, I do enjoy what I do and uh, I find a way to have fun even though it's a bit dry. Yeah, I think, I think you've got to. The, uh, the the financial advisor thing starts to starts to kill the conversation at a at a barbecue or yeah. the kids birthday parties you're kind of standing around talking to their parents oh what are you doing what do you do and you know you you used to say it used to get these you know people asking you oh well, you know what what stock should I buy what should I where should I invest my money that kind of thing but with the royal commission and all, and all the rest of it, it it kind of just kills the conversation and and quickly move on to something else yeah or yeah. someone you for saying oh you know my 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 auntie rita was charged for advice and she was dead for five years you know there was a lot of nasty stuff that came yeah. out yeah. or those that have a financial advisor they they very quickly let me know that they have a financial advisor or their accountant deals with that kind of stuff like like i'm at i'm at the kid's birthday party or i'm at the barbecue like prospecting, same. trying to trying to find. Like it's all right, mate. I'm, I'm just yeah. talking to you. We're just passing the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, 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 Mike, where can if anyone needs any of your help or, or or has any questions for you, if you're catching this on the replay or if you're live there, drop a question. If you've got anything for us, and I'll and I'll get to those in a second. But um, where can where can people find you? Where can they reach out to you if they if they need your help? Yeah, obviously I'm on uh, LinkedIn um, and at times like this I'll probably be churning out a bit more content so you can look me up there. Um, if you Google our, our company, MCG Quantity Surveyors, it's just mcgqs.com.au um, or if you just search my name, you'll probably find me somewhere, hopefully not in some Today Tonight scandal. It's, it's all probably pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and, and your in terms of the depreciation schedules and all of that kind of stuff is it's australia wide it's not just limited to particular areas yeah no we're pretty much australia wide I, I say pretty much because it's very very difficult for us to get to broom at the point in time that we're at so hmm. uh, i started this business with my business partner in 2011 and we do work all across the eastern seaboard we do work in uh, in perth even though we don't have an office there and quite active in Adelaide and Canberra and NT. So we get around a bit. Um, mm. If we don't think that we can service it in a timely manner, we've got partners that we can refer to. So, yeah, Australia-wide with a little asterisk. Just yeah. don't, don't go too crazy with your remote regional stuff. <laughs> and, and, so, and so that involves you or, or a member of your team actually showing up at the property that, like, some, yeah. someone's physically there, yeah. Yeah, there, there are examples where we won't have to do that. So if someone's building a house and they have detailed plans and a, a schedule of inclusions, we can do that sometimes without an inspection. Yep. Uh, it's always our preference to do it. So, yeah, pretty pretty much the, the, the overwhelming majority of our reports will require a physical inspection. So it's a big part of what we do. 
Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, I would just jump to the any questions or comments. We've had uh, a, a couple there. Emily Wallace, have uh, you oh, yeah. come there on, on on LinkedIn? Given the the property space, I'm sure you sure you have. Uh, so she She's is amazing. either there now or she was watching at the start. So thanks for, for tuning in, Emily. Uh, and Graham, uh, who's in the Philippines, has been watching these uh, kind of every day. So thanks for popping your head up again, Graham. I've tried something different today. This is going live to uh, LinkedIn as well as my Facebook, but I don't know how to check my Facebook to see if there's any comments or anything there. So who knows? We'll just leave it at, we'll leave it at LinkedIn for the time being. Um, thanks for joining me, Mike. Was there any, any final words you, you wanted to, to say or any questions you had for me? It's a pleasure, mate. I, I do want to say with those plant and equipment changes that yep. I don't want the story to be, well, because of those changes, there's no value in my property anymore. Mm. Um, so the plant and equipment was just one side of it. The building structure is the other side. So if you've bought a property built after 1987, you're automatically going to be worthwhile on a depreciation schedule. Mm. And if you bought something built prior to 87, but it's had 40 or 50 grand worth of renovations, then that likely is going to make a schedule worthwhile for you as well. So in our analysis of the last 1,000 jobs, which we did at, the, at that announcement in, in 2017, we, we found that really close to 82 to 83% of them we would still recommend being done. So okay. I was sort of on here sort of saying, you know, the big thing is that people don't have the education, they don't know about it. I've got to be careful in my education, I don't sort of lead people to think that, well, that I know about it but there's not there's no value in it in yeah. most cases so definitely worth um definitely worth worth asking but I, I wanted to ask if we do have a, a second james i wanted to sort of yeah. ask um yourself you're obviously pretty plugged into a few different businesses and and with the work that you do as a financial planner what's yeah. the sort of sentiment out there that you've you've come across what, what are your clients feeling at the moment just like given the environment that we're in at the moment yeah. we've done yeah. pretty well not talk about COVID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, it, 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 it's been interesting, and and kind of the the financial advisor in me and the, the numbers. It, I almost want to create a chart myself of of um, you can really I really noticed the the correlation between the share market going down and how much my phone was ringing Tuesday last week. So Tuesday last week. Uh, I'm obviously working from home now, but I spent most of Tuesday last week on the phone, and that was clients calling in. They would be they were longer phone calls than they normally would be, 20 minutes, half an hour. I was probably on the phone with each client, and then often I'd be on the phone, and you could hear the beep, beep, beep that someone was leaving a leaving a message down the other on on, uh, on voicemail. That's now completely changed. So a bit more positive news. Stock markets have started to move up. All of those kind of things. Uh, so the the number of new number of clients that are caught have been calling me has has changed, and uh, fortunately, and I, and I think it's partly to do with a lot of the education that that we provide with clients either upfront or just on an ongoing basis. I've only had two clients that were worried enough about it all that they wanted to sell their investments, right? Uh, whereas everyone else has either held on or have been trying to buy al along the way. Uh, so th so that's, um, I, I find my, my clients that are invested in the share market, and this is probably applicable to, to, to everyone, they're often, and it's just the nature of shares, often kind of quicker to try and react to announcements. And, and you see that in the share market, all of a sudden there's some bad news and the share market drops. Whereas 
the property market, people understand that, hey, if there's some bad news today, even if I wanted to, I can't sell my house, to, I can't sell my investment property tomorrow morning anyway. So they're, they're much more likely to hold on to those. Uh, be interesting to see how things play out in the property space with you know, not many people showing up for open for inspections or showing up for the auctions and those kind of things. The auction clearance rates were pretty low over the weekend, understandably so. Um, so, but but yeah, but by and large, my clients haven't been terribly worried uh, about it all. Um, they're you know just trying to be safe with their families and those kind of things, and and just holding on for for when the good times eventually return yeah well that's good that's that's positive it's a it's a very very tricky time for people to navigate yeah. and i yeah. guess the government's recent s stimulus package is is a positive for for employees so let's hope that gets legislated quickly and um, yeah. go into this hibernation mode of sorts yeah yeah i think i think you know i think you've got to give the government a bit of credit in in what they've done you know you can maybe criticize them for being a bit slower to react um, given what was going on overseas but now all of a sudden it's you know it's, it's every day there's more changes and more changes and more changes it's almost difficult to keep up with everything that's going on whether it's a new a new stimulus package and the extra 130 billion dollars or so that was announced yesterday or extra quarantine measures that you know it was 10 people now it's two people and you can go and have your haircut and now you can't go and have your haircut and and uh there's a, there's a fair bit to keep up with there, yeah, that's for sure. Crazy. I'm definitely suffering from the lack of haircuts. You can see this is a pretty expensive setup I've got here. Got a well maintained. Yeah, I um I made sure I went. My hair was getting a bit getting a bit longer than what I'd normally have it. Uh, so I went down to one of the local barbers down the road on on Saturday, and and I said to the guy in there, "Hey, you like?" I was surprised it was open. A lot of them. A lot of the other hairdressers around were closed, and I said to him, "Oh, how are you going?" And he said, "Look, we're obviously still open." But he would normally have five barbers working of a Saturday, uh, and there was just the two of them there, and there was only me having my hair cut, and the other guy, the other barber, was just sitting there doing nothing. So, uh, obviously, doing it tough, just like a lot of other businesses are at the moment too. Yeah, a, a, a lot of businesses, I think, are disproportionately affected by this. Th thankfully, our business is 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 not as affected as as many others. Which, for people in our situation, I guess, be similar with yourself. Who, just got to look at it as a great opportunity to work on all the things that we wish we normally had time for and just just staying in touch with our clients and giving yep. them relevant information and all that sort of stuff we're doing a we're doing a webinar um on the sort of impacts of this pandemic and uh, projections for for property and the economic outcome on the other side and yeah just doing what we can to to, to get people the right information and you know work on the business and hopefully on the other side we can we can all do all right. Yeah. The other, the other thing that's the other big positive to come out of all of this is the, the the speed in which things have changed. Like we've had to. I I always did a, a number of my client uh, client meetings uh, via Zoom anyway. Some clients that are interstate or some that are overseas, uh, I did them via Zoom anyway. Um, but this has really pushed it on everyone. So even yeah. the the clients that you know enjoyed coming into the city to to meet with me and they'd we'd schedule it either before or after lunch and they'd go to their favorite restaurant and have lunch either side of coming to see me they're on we're now pushed all of them to zoom and i dare say probably there's probably a number of them won't go back to the the face-to-face -face meetings they'll, they'll rather stay uh, on online and so the the pace at which that's changed we've had to adjust the business and then push the clients to to adopt it 
you know, without this, there's no way that that would have happened. So it's, fun, it's it. funny, isn't it? It's it's like you know we resist these things and then we're sort of forced to do them. Of course, there's a lot of memes out there at the moment. I saw a funny one that sort of said, you know, we can't possibly afford to you know slow down construction or uh, and, and manufacturing and that sort of stuff to protect uh, the the environment with climate change. And then you know there's a little comment saying, you know, Mother Nature, here's a virus. You know, practice. <laughs> um, it forced us to, to do things that maybe we, we should be doing, you know, like I heard this just this morning that banks are able to, to ID individuals without it being face-to-face -face now. It's, you yeah. know, it's taken this pandemic yeah. for them to change what is a very sort of old world idea about how things need to be done. Yeah. If you think about meetings, they're quite inefficient. You know, you've got to drive somewhere, you've got to park mm. your car. If that's in Sydney CBD, you know, that's maybe a $70 parking ticket. <laughs> Um, it's completely unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's going to be, it sounds like you're as excited as me to see what, what the world looks like out the other side of all of this, to see where, where, where we land. Yeah, and there'll be a few people that I think would be happy for it to go back the way that it was, like people that are homeschooling their children at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there's certainly some things that I think we'll see out of this that will make us better off. Um, I guess this is a, a very good test at, at the science behind generating vaccines and that sort of stuff, which hopefully prepares us for something that may happen that's maybe even more insidious in the future. You, you just mm -hmm. never know. Yeah. All right, Mike, we've, uh, we're nearly at half an hour here. We've, uh, all of a it's flown by. So I, I won't keep you too much longer, but thank you for joining me today. Thank you for the few people that have been kind of in and out watching throughout the last half an hour. As I said earlier, if you're catching this on the replay, and you've got a question or a comment for either Mike or myself, just leave it below and we'll, we'll get back to you. But thanks for joining me, Mike, and uh, on with the rest of the day. Cheers, James. Thanks. It's been thanks, a pleasure. Mike. See ya. See ya.